Hello, hello, and welcome to the ISV Society Podcast. I am your host, Amy Keenan, and I am so excited to be here and chat with you. So first off, you may be asking, what is the ISV Society? Well, it's a membership just for ISVs, where we collaborate, educate, and generate leads in an affordable way. From webinars to blogs, as well as monthly mastermind meetings, these are just some of the ways we're working together. This podcast is also another way to bring the content to you. There'll be marketing tips and tricks, ISV guests, as well as fellow marketing professionals. Just think of it as your one-stop shop, all things channel marketing. It's all about the power of collaboration. So let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the ISV Society podcast. I'm so excited for my guest this week. We have Daisy Fatehi. He is the CEO of Corrent Technology, a digital transformation technology leader named among the top 10 most disruptive private companies. So excited to have you here, Faisy. Thank you for joining me this week. It's my pleasure. I'm joining you from Las Vegas attending AWS's reInvent conference. According to some, the largest cloud computing conference in the world. So it's such a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. And you know, it's great that we can do the podcast from all over the country, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, looking forward. So before we get dive into all these wonderful questions, I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about yourself and let the audience get to know you. Yes. Uh, Some people described me as a geek who went to business school. Uh, Someone was introducing me as a keynote in Denver years ago. He said, Faisy used to be a genius, and then he went to business school. So no more genius, but I manage, uh, I have the privilege of running a firm, Corin Technology, that is 150 plus geniuses. And our goal is to revolutionize Uh, the cloud industry from a software perspective, make it easy for software developers to easily distribute their software, commercialize their software, and make a world a better place that way. Awesome. Yeah. And I feel like, as you mentioned, you're at AWS. That is the way of the future, right? Everything is becoming SaaS. So excited to chat with you today about that. So before we dive into the details, can you clarify the difference between the cloud and SaaS or software as a service? Because I'm sure there's some major distinctions between the two that people might not be aware of. Yeah, surprisingly, a lot of people are confusing the cloud with SaaS. And I have no idea how that misconception, misperception has been created. That's why last year I wrote a book called Democratizing SaaS. And there is a chapter in the book, uh, Forbes published it, by the way, because it's a business book for software developers, how to be more successful in the area of cloud and SaaS. But there's a chapter describing the apples and oranges between the cloud and SaaS. Some people, I tell them, is your software SaaS? They said, yes, we run on the cloud. Cloud is nothing but the modern computers It's as if 20 years ago I asked, is your software SaaS? I said, yes, it runs on a computer. Well, (laughs) software runs on the computer or the new computer called the cloud by answering the question of, are you SaaS? Saying, yes, 
we are a cloud-based and they say it so proudly that they're cloud-based like they just had twins born <laughs> something so fantastically exciting which i don't get so the modern software should be running on the cloud cloud is a phenomenally nice delivery of hardware infrastructure as a service mm -hmm. cloud is delivering computing storage and networking as a service has absolutely nothing to do with your software your right. software has to become software as a service with tons of feature functions that you develop and of course at the end of the day you run it on the cloud and i would be happy to elaborate on that yes so definitely there's Definitely a big distinction between the two. And I'm glad you clarified it because, yeah, Stephen, sometimes I would think, make the mistake of saying that too. And I think we all get caught up in that the cloud is <laughs> everything, right? When right. it isn't, it's one piece yeah. of the puzzle, so to speak. Yes. So as I understand your SaaS ops platform is being referred to as the Netflix for the software industry. Could you elaborate on that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh uh, some people refer to SaaS Ops, which is our platform uh, to accelerate the delivery of any software as a service. They refer to it as the Netflix for the software industry, the same way that Netflix uh, delivers films, movies, uh, seamlessly, frictionlessly uh, to the world. Uh, in the past, movie producers allocated significant amount of their time budget to negotiate with the owners of movie theater owners uh, and networks. Uh, and now they just put 100% of their effort in producing a movie that hopefully wins an Academy Award. And then as for distribution, they simply drop it to Netflix or two or three other um, uh, similar networks and instantly their movie is available to the world. And people can go to Netflix, choose the movie, and it plays, it streams. If there's a fee involved, the fee is charged. So the entire distribution, subscription, mm -hmm. commercialization of the movie is done by simply dropping it into Netflix. The same analogy goes with SaaS ops. And uh, we tell software vendors to put 100% of their effort in developing their core software, whether it's AI, whether it's uh, distribution, logistics, storage, healthcare, environment, education, just put 100% of your effort to build the best software and then drop it into SaaS ops and voila, it becomes the best software as a service. So the as a service piece, like the Netflix piece is already built. Uh, generally speaking, even AWS, uh, they have a phenomenal expert team. I call them the Delta Force within the cloud industry called AWS SaaS Factory. There are about 30, 35 top-notch cloud software architects that they transform software into software as a service. 18 months to 36 months of effort by this expert team to transform a software to a phenomenally well-architected, scalable, efficient SaaS. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, they can produce a limited number a year because it takes a lot of time and effort. 
with SAS ops, it could act as an AWS external SaaS factory and produce thousands of SaaS a year versus just 25 or 30 a year. And it takes about you know a week or two weeks wow. without any programming. So it's really when you drop your movie into Netflix, you don't have to do any coding. You don't, you just basically deliver the movie file to Netflix and Netflix would distribute it and everything the same way uh, software gets distributed, become true, scalable, sophisticated SaaS. We call SaaS 2.0 by dropping it into SaaS ops. And voila, you have your software delivered as a service in an efficient, scalable, profitable, high margin way. I love that analogy. And I feel like everyone could relate to that, right? Because I'm sure so many of us <laughs> watch Netflix and all those other Disney Plus, Paramount, whatever you want to call it. Um, streaming services. So that's a great analogy to show how easy it is to, you know, focus on the software, like you mentioned, but, and let you guys do the rest of the work of making it actually SaaS enabled. Exactly. That's awesome. <clears throat> so many companies claim they are SaaS since customers can describe their solutions. Is there more to SaaS than customers' ability to subscribe to the solutions? Yes. Uh, so it's first of all fantastic that uh, some software companies uh, say they're SaaS, and SaaS has two aspects. Uh, generally, I talk about the moon. There is the light side of the moon, and there's a dark side of the moon. The light side of SaaS is when people can subscribe to your software. That is good for subscribers because they don't have to download, they don't have to upgrade, they don't have to worry about maintenance, they just log in and use your software and pay a market level price, let's say $50 per user per month. And they have your, uh, they have the software delivered to them as a service. The question is at what cost is the software provider delivering that subscription in a way that uh, it's profitable for them? They have good margins. And that's the dark side of the moon, the back office. Are they people running around, pulling their hair, putting tapes on things, or the system is operating there on, on its own in an automated, efficient fashion? And my description of an efficient, sophisticated SaaS is the cost of onboarding the next subscriber approaches zero. Okay. The cost of onboarding the next subscriber approaches zero. Very few SaaS companies in the world can claim that. And uh, uh, maybe a dozen to two dozen can claim that wow. because they have not architected for efficiency. They have, they have developed their software for effectiveness, meaning somebody can subscribe to it. The mm -hmm. top line is good but the bottom line is bad. One famous company went out of business. Uh, their solution was pretty much identical to salesforce.com. It was a CRM uh, and their price was even lower than Salesforce. They were called Sugar CRM, mm -hmm. uh, very much identical to Salesforce. One had a great backend, uh, Salesforce. The cost of onboarding the next customer approaches zero. The other one, 
the cost of onboarding the next customer exceeded the price the market was willing to pay them. So the joke is, don't worry, we make it make it up in volume. Well, in every customer you're losing money, you cannot make it up in volume. Right. And they went back. And <laughs> uh, that's a good example of just delivering your software in a subscription manner. While technically it makes you SaaS, it may not make you a sustainable, profitable SaaS. And that is where our SaaS ops comes to the rescue. Within days, your software, you drop it into SaaS ops would be delivered in an automated fashion as you'll be one of the most profitable, efficient, sophisticated SaaS solution that uh, will go to market in your field. Well, thank you for that. I didn't know Sugar Serum went out of business because of that reason. So that's good to know. <laughs> Practically, yeah. They yeah. bought my uh, <laughs> private equity and who knows what happens to them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So who can who specifically could benefit from SaaS ops and who are your ideal target customers? That's a great question. Uh, practically any software application okay. that is B2B is a multi-user software. We're not talking about Microsoft Word or OBDF. We are talking about organizational software with multi-people uh, using it. Uh, business software, uh, any such software can benefit. And those software fall into two major categories. The biggest category that we are focused on now are ISVs, independent software vendors who have a software and they want to deliver it uh, to public as an efficient, scalable SaaS. Uh, the other category are enterprises, let's say Global 2000. Uh, on average, Global 2000 companies have built about 1000 internal applications they're using. That's global 2000 times 1000. We're talking 2 million applications have been built with only one customer for their enterprise. Imagine That's if easy. those applications build, let's say at Walmart, at Johnson & Johnson, at FedEx, those applications, some of them, be available to public as SaaS. Imagine uh, those those are battle-tested solutions. And the testimony is the big corporations behind it. Imagine they will uh, dominate the market. People want to use proven solution. The reason they're not available in the public, because again, 18 months to three years of mm -hmm. top engineers working on one sophisticated enterprise application to turn it into SaaS, and core and SaaS ops eliminate that hurdle and obstacle. So we are opening up the world of software as a service by having built this solution called SaaS ops. It took years to build it, to perfect it, to fine tune it, and over 140 patents, invention patents, oh, wow. uh, in to make it happen. Because 20 some years ago when I embarked on doing this inspired by Steve Jobs and by Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, that I truly admire because he built uh, a SaaS solution and legitimized SaaS and mm -hmm. Corinth is now democratizing SaaS. So the concept was legitimized by Salesforce. So basically, uh, that's basically where we are, focusing on opening up a world of software 
as a service in an affordable, cost-effective way. So the producer are profitable and the customers receive it in an affordable fashion. Oh, seems like a win for everybody then. Win for everybody. Love it. Absolutely. <clears throat> so uh, besides more efficient and cost-effective delivery of the software as a service and enhanced bottom line, would SASOPs help increase the top line as well? Great question. Not only SaaS ops helps increase the bottom line because it delivers the software a lot more efficiently, but also immediately it can create two new streams of revenue for the company effortlessly. One of them is by enabling micro billing. And micro billing is, let's say, uh, you can bill specifically for a specific usage of a feature function. Let's say you bring to market certain uh, novel features in your software. You don't have to just deliver it for free as part of the regular $50 per user per month. You may make some features as a premium features and then say you don't have to use it, but if you use it at a dollar per use or 25 cents per hour and whatever that makes sense, and nobody can object. You're bringing new features. We don't have to use it. But if you use it, uh, there is a fee attached to it. And that enablement of metering, which we have over 40 patents on, more than the entire industry combined because of our uh, inventions, that immediate enablement of micro billing and metering of a specific usage of a specific features would just create another stream of revenue that you honestly didn't have to do anything for. You just need to improve your software and occasionally tag a specific feature functions as premium with a specific fee attached to it, usage-based fee attached to it. That is one immediate uh, increase of the top line. Okay. The other one is our technology SaaS ops has a feature called marketizer and marketizer can immediately publish within 48 hours, 72 hours without any programming, publish your software on the cloud uh, marketplace of your choice. Let's say AWS cloud marketplace or Azure cloud marketplace. All of a sudden, it's like you get uh, a shop in a, in a very busy uh, shopping mall. Uh, that's where people go to AWS Marketplace, Azure Marketplace, Google Marketplace, and immediately you're published in a transactional fashion. So people can go there, they can click, they can use, they can try, and they can subscribe to your software. And that way you create an additional stream of revenue adding to your top line, again, without a single line of programming, simply by using SaaS Ops Marketizer. Well, there you go, making it even easier for people to be able to <laughs> take a step back too, right? And think about how they want to uh, think about those new revenue streams and what they want to do. And obviously all of these ISVs are creating new features all the time to their products. So it would be cool, right? To be able to offer that premium pricing for certain features because, hey, not everybody needs them, but some of them might, or some of them might say, hey, I want to take advantage of it and some may not. So you give it, it's nice to have that flexibility too. Yeah, and it takes time and effort to create metering to the best of my knowledge. Even I'm sure Salesforce. it does. <laughs> doesn't offer metering because it's really sophisticated. And for SaaS, 
and also publication <clears throat> on cloud marketplaces takes three to six months of expert coding. You have to go and inject a specific APIs into your code to make it compatible with one uh, cloud marketplace and then go repeat the same thing and mess up with your code with different APIs injected with core and SaaS ops marketizer, no change to your code. It That's all right. happens in a surrounding of your code and enabling. It's a business enablement, but using sophisticated technology behind it. And I can think of some ISVs off the top of my head that would like this usage feature. So I'm going to have to definitely mention it to them. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, absolutely. Um, so you also mentioned SAPs, SaaS ops can help existing SaaS providers. Could you share a customer example? Right. So SaaS ops, uh, this is an exciting feature that you don't have to be not SaaS in order to become uh, SaaS enabled using SaaS ops. Uh, you can be an existing SaaS, people can subscribe to your solution, but you want to enhance your bottom line, make it 10 times more efficient, et cetera, et cetera. One easy use is ad metering. Boom. Mm -hmm. You just get a new stream of revenue to your existing SaaS. The other one is instant publication on AWS, Azure, Google marketplaces. Instead of spending your precious uh, developers' time who can be enhancing your product, the core product, to make it more competitive, doing this kind of bells and whistles plumbing. Those are two features. The other one is we, we have a list of, God knows, like 50 different feature functions listed on our website. is a matrix of capabilities that can be added a la carte to your solution. Um, for example, multi-tenancy, if your solution is not multi-tenant, multi-tenancy brings significant efficiency. And with our solution, there is like 80, 90% chance within a week, we transform your uh, software to a multi-tenant solution. Uh, wow. Adding metering is one. Uh, significant amount of capabilities can be added. One good example was there was a company who was a unicorn, meaning the valuation being over a billion, named MAPR, M-A-P-R. And they raised $280 million to build their AI slash big data solution. Sophisticated company, well-funded, including some famous Silicon Valley uh, VCs and Google Ventures and so on. But when it came to SaaS enabling their solution, they spent millions of dollars. And the good news is, uh, they were partially successful. The bad news is they weren't completely successful. So uh, when they were running out of money, they came to us, thanks to one of their advisors, the former CTO of VMware, who also sits on our advisory board. He said, hey guys, why don't you talk to Corin? Why are you just spending money on developing this SaaS thing yourself? You focus on your product, the core product, and Corin does the SaaS. Uh, within a couple of weeks, we took their existing good SaaS and turned it into a great SaaS. We took it from SaaS 1.0 to SaaS 2.0. And as they were running out of money, Hewlett Packard Enterprise acquired them. They got a good deal, but they didn't go bankrupt. And if they had contacted us a year before, they could have realized that billion dollar dream. Yeah. But that's a lot of people don't understand 
that there is a better way mm -hmm. to SaaS. They think they've got to build their entire SaaS solution. And IDC just published a paper that uh, said, look, use an automation platform to SaaS. Just focus on your software, be an ISV, let somebody else's technology uh, enable yourself. The same way people don't build their own databases. Right. People don't build their own app server or operating system. They use a proven enabling technology the same way they can use a proven enabling technology for going to market as SaaS. Now, thanks God, SaaS ops exist. Before it didn't exist, before they didn't have an option. Yeah. Well, that's great that you helped them be able to get to where they needed to go. So nice. Yeah, if somebody story. types in, if you type in current <laughs> and map R, M-A-P-R, there's a press release okay. about enabling them as powerful SaaS. I can include that in the show notes. All right. So I know Microsoft recently hosted a masterclass, invited you and one of your ex execs to educate the ISV market about SaaS ops. Is there another exciting development around the corner? <laughs> Always more hint, exciting. Hint, hint. <laughs> we were truly honored that Microsoft uh, sponsored this masterclass webinar and invited 60 plus thousand uh, wow. Uh, of their ISVs, uh, select ISVs to attend and learn. And by the way, that uh, that webinar is recorded and it's available on our website. Okay. Uh, if, I believe if you go under news, uh, you can uh, click and listen uh, to that webinar and watch the show. But uh, we are very pleased that now that I'm here in Vegas at reInvent, that starting next week, uh, we have a massive go-to-market, joint go-to-market with AWS to educate the ISV community and the SaaS community that there is a better way. And as part of this joint go-to-market, we uh, have decided to make uh, a limited time a complimentary offer to publish anyone's uh, software on AWS Marketplace and uh, also make their solution SaaS, or if they're SaaS, to transform it to SaaS 2.0, like we did for MapR, on AWS Cloud. Uh, so that option is available for a limited time. Nice. And that is uh, an exciting thing that we're looking forward to. Awesome. So you also mentioned, or we could also mention, um, can the audience of this podcast benefit from that AWS Corn offer for a complimentary scan analysis and SaaS enabling of their software. Is that what you were talking about or is there more to it? Yeah, we, as part of this, the, the answer is yes, because okay. ISV Society is a very special focused group of ISVs. We'd be happy to share the link uh, to that special offer that you can share it with your audience. Yes. Uh, basically, uh, we'll have a 30 minute call, one of our experts with somebody at an ISV company discuss different options for becoming SaaS and more robust with them. And within a few days, we deliver that, uh, that solution so they can uh, test drive it and uh, start seeing a bright new future for themselves. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, so we'll definitely include all that information in the show notes because I'm sure people, well, I think people should definitely take advantage of it. So, um, but thank you so much for joining me today. Do you have any last thoughts, comments you want to end with before we wrap up our podcast episode? No, we covered a lot of grounds. It was a pleasure to be on this podcast and I really enjoyed the conversation. Wish you all the very best and a great weekend. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I can't wait to share all this information with everybody. So please make sure you listen to this podcast, like, share, comment, and spread this podcast to those who might need to listen, learn more about SaaS ops and how they can make their true solution SaaS enabled. So thank you again. Yay, congrats. You just listened to another episode of the ISV Society podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Would love for you to share, like, comment, subscribe, just to keep the momentum going, to keep this podcast going, to get more eyes and ears on all of these different episodes and feel free to check them out as well. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day.